2: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesomeo.com NFL Strategy Show, Week Four Matchups Edition. Dave Lochran with me, as he is every Thursday. Matt Savoca on Twitter at Draftaholic. Give the man a follow. Hit me up as well at Loppy underscore D. It's L O U G H Y underscore D. And we're here talking 12 games for the Week Four season. For
0: the week Yeah, four- not 13. I should say. What's that? Not 13, but 12. Not
2: 13. <laughs> Would have been 13, but you've got Pittsburgh and Tennessee postponing this one till later on in the season. I was really hoping that we were going to get some doubleheader Monday night action, maybe even a little Tuesday night football. DraftKings fan will throw out some million-dollar prize pulls for the showdowns again, but unfortunately, that won't be the case. We'll have to wait till other, uh, later in the year. COVID-19 in the Tennessee Titans Locker room, or in the organization, I should say, eleven players slash personnel have tested positive. We'll see what happens from there. Hopefully, football continues as it has been, because that would be devastating if it doesn't. But until the world collapses, I've been saying we were going to have sports since the beginning, Matt, and I stand by it. These, these, they're going to do everything they can to play. Okay, multi, multi, multi billion dollar league which is the nfl they're gonna do what they can to play not too worried wasn't that worried in april so i'm certainly not gonna lose my shit over it now but even if i'm wrong even if i'm right no matter what every thursday you and i are gonna be here breaking these matchups down anyway
0: That's right. Even if there's even if there's just a few, we're going to get get to it. But yeah, I I completely hear what you're saying. And I actually made a prediction right as sports kind of shut down in March that one of these uh, one of these major leagues were actually going to help funding a rapid test because there was so much financial risk involved. And sure enough, the first rapid test that came to the market was helped in funding by the NBA. So these these leagues have a lot of the line. We certainly wish everyone their best health and all the best. And we don't want to take anything lightly. But uh, from a scheduling standpoint, it's a little bit crazy. We're certainly going to miss that matchup, but we're, we're going to get it down the road.
2: Well, we're happy to have everyone with us. As always, hit that thumbs up if you're just walking in the door. Uh, it's the easiest way to help us support us for free. You know, help us get out there to more people. Uh, fight that YouTube algorithm, that pesky algorithm, uh, and, you know, continue putting content out there each and every day. So uh, subscribe, hit that notification bell as well. Greatly appreciated from all of you. All right, let's dive into it, starting with Matt. The New Orleans Saints, the Detroit Lions. There are a lot of high totals on this slate. This one, no exception, 55-point total. New Orleans Saints, laying four and a half points on the road against the Lions. Uh, But, you know, really, when when you're looking at both totals, 29.25 for the Saints, 24.75 for the Lions. Even the Lions have a hefty total. You know, around 25-point implied total. Still decent, even with the amount of points we've seen scored through the first three weeks of the season. Let's kick it off with the road team. New Orleans Saints expected to get Michael Thomas back in the mix this week, which means Drew Brees will have – Two elite targets in Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas to feed against this Detroit defense.
0: That's right. I mean, what can we say other than Alvin Kamara is back? Uh, One of the coolest plays you'll see all season in uh, the second half of that game. That long catch and run for a touchdown and getting Michael Thomas back is one of the most important pieces in the NFL for Drew Brees. You saw the offense kind of sputter a bit on Sunday night football against Green Bay. I mean they put up plenty of points but it just didn't seem like they had a number one option and sure enough michael thomas back on the slate huge high implied total for the new orleans saints he's projected as wide receiver two uh actually wide receiver one on osmo.com but he's wide receiver two in salary so you could even say there's a little bit of value in going for michael thomas this week only Uh, That's a little bit of a stretch. One thing I will add, though, is the pace of play for Drew Brees has been a little bit slower than we've seen in previous years. They rank middle of the pack in true early down pass rate as well as early down air yards per second, which combines pace and play and air yards. So I I actually see this game as a possible uh, over it's overvalued. You might take the under here because of that 55 and a half point total. It's huge, but certainly lots of points going to be scored. Uh, or we should expect it at least. One
2: aspect of this game that I find fascinating is if, if the Saints are going to have a, a lot of attention paid to them, and that's currently the case, Alvin Kamara getting uh, north of 27% projected ownership. Uh, Michael Thomas uh, set to make his triumphant return, looking at 12.6% uh, projected ownership, which at the wide receiver position is actually relatively high. Uh, on the flip side of this one, the Detroit Lions... Kenny Galladay around 9.8%. But you've got Marvin Jones super low down there at 5%. Matthew Stafford at 3%. Hawkinson less than 3%. I don't believe the run game uh, is going to be able to get a ton going against the Saints. I I am a little bit uh, intrigued by the Detroit Lions. And then the cool thing about this is if if you're stacking this game and you wanted to take the alternate route, meaning Detroit – you're still going to be running it back with one of Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas, and I love that because uh, there are very few offenses that have as concentrated as targets as the New Orleans Saints. But I think you could say, not to the same, not not to the same extent. But similarly, the Detroit Lions and Matthew Stafford really aren't going to target a ton of different receivers. It's Gallaudet, it's Marvin Jones, and it's T.J. Hawkinson. So I think because there is such a concentrated amount of targets going to the guys that we essentially know are going to be getting the football, it makes life a little bit easier to figure out how to work a stack here, especially if Detroit's going to come in very low on.
0: Yeah, well said. I have in my notes here that I'm definitely going to be trying out tournament options with the Lions stacks going on. I was really encouraged with the amount of snaps uh, that Kenny Galladay played. He... uh, emerged from week his first week of the season playing in week three unscathed injury wise and if you look at the entire season for Matt Stafford it looks like he has a, kind of a flat distribution of targets but as we kind of talked about last week with Kennedy Kenny Galladay back in the mix it really just looked like a more consolidated offense which is exactly what you hinted at don't forget about Danny Amendola. He is still going to be involved in this offense. They clearly run specific plays to get him involved and open underneath. But it looks like there is a lot of value here, especially if you think this game is going to hit its total or possibly be over.
2: Yeah, no question. And the ownership is going to play a role for sure. It always does. We always keep it, we always take that into consideration. Uh, but ultimately, I do think Matt Ryan or Matthew Stafford will be able to move the ball. And here, here's another interesting tidbit. Pro football focus, we're only through three weeks, but they do contextualize this stuff. They make it so it's factoring in everything and not just how many points and how many yards they've allowed. The Detroit Lions and New Orleans Saints through three weeks are tied for 30th in pass coverage. So yeah, I know it's a little bit surprising, but the Saints have not looked particularly good uh at at, at defending the pass. Tom Brady looked bad himself in week one, and I almost blame that more on him and being uncomfortable with the offense. I, do, I too. do, Right? Yeah. Then I give credit to the New Orleans Saints. But they coughed up 37 points to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had a very, very solid game, super efficient. And Derek Carr, lest we forget, and, and Josh Jacobs dropped 34 points on the New Orleans Saints. So, yeah, they're allowing around – I think they're allowing 30 points per game this season. That's to say – that's not to say they won't improve. I think they will. But it is to say that I'm not worried about the Saints' defense as a a unit that is going to completely stymie Matthew Stafford uh, and and his passing game. So uh, that's where I'm looking at right now. And I I love Kamara. I love Thomas. I get the ownership. But uh, I just think there's going to be unlimited opportunity in this one – even if we do anticipate it potentially going under. Uh, how else would you round this game out?
0: I guess I just wanted to add here that the Lions players are priced up, which is going to make stacking them a little bit difficult. I, see Kenny I thought Galladay's... they were
2: priced down.
0: Oh, really? I have Kenny Galladay here at wide receiver 18. I was looking at the Osmo projections. He comes in around 25. Marvin Jones is a little bit uh, lower here at wide receiver 37 on DraftKings salary and wide receiver 38 in the Osmo.com projections. Uh, but Hawkinson's also a little bit bearish projection wise versus yeah, he's his salary. Up but in this case, what you're really aiming for is a game situation where the scoring g- gets to a point where 55 seems like a conservative over under, and, and we could get there by the second half with these two quarterbacks. One thing I was taking notes on the Cardinals versus Lions game last week, and clearly Stafford is much more comfortable in the offense than he was even just a few weeks ago with Galladay back. He had a phenomenal fourth-quarter drive where he actually threw a long bomb of a touchdown to Marvin Hall that got called back. Didn't matter. He came back and got them to a game-winning field goal anyway. So uh, one thing I'll also add, too, is that Jeffrey Okuda, their number three overall pick this year, is playing really well. Had an amazing diving catch versus Kyler in the second half. And uh, if that defense can stymie the Saints, who are trying to work everyone back in, you know, maybe there are some contrarian ways you could play this, but uh, I think it's a game environment we want to attack for sure.
2: Yep, absolutely. I, I guess the only reason I'd say maybe underpriced is the wrong word, but last week, the Lions actually had a lower implied total than they do this week. And the over-under in that game, I believe, was actually a point or a point and a half lower as well. It might have been the same. And Cunny Galladay's price came down this week. Marvin Jones came down. TJ Hawkinson came down. So if we were looking at them as overpriced last week, then you could still say, yeah, they're definitely overpriced this week. But uh, it, it appears that they've been priced down a little bit because of this matchup. Uh, and and I'm still willing to sense. get there. They're not yeah. going to break the bank. And again, Thomas and Kamara just oh, are, are just going to allow you as a runback option to to feel really good about this in the event that, that Detroit does happen to go off and you hit that stack. Chicago, Indianapolis, as we move this one along, Matt. The the Bears getting two and a half points at home. This game has a 44 and a half point total. Uh Mitch Trubisky benched at halftime after halftime last week. Nick Foles came in uh and and clearly wrestled this job away from Mitch Trubisky with it, or yeah for, with his second half performance, making a big fourth quarter comeback. The Atlanta uh, Falcons have now blown three consecutive. Or, uh, two consecutive 15 point leads in the fourth quarter, which is brutal. Oof. And Nick Foles, meanwhile, in one half of football threw uh, 16 of 29, not particularly efficient, but 188 yards, three touchdowns got picked off once. Uh, and Allen Robinson really came alive. I know you, I, I don't, I think we both really liked Robinson last week, 10 to 13. He, by the way, Allen Robinson had six for 64 in the first half. So it wasn't necessarily Nick Foles that, that brought this out of it. Basically, he had the same yardage in the first and second half, just managed to get into the end zone in the second half, and almost twice had they not ruled that an interception. He's 6,700. We can start it off with the Bears. Uh, Anthony Miller is still an enigma. And it's really difficult to predict what we're going to get out of him each week. He scored, but again, only five targets, 41 yards, snap counts still limited. How are we approaching the uh, Chicago Bears? Uh,
0: well, first of all, we're excited because we got, we got replacement Nick Foles, meaning good Nick Foles. When Nick Foles comes in as a replacement quarterback, that's this when he starts true. to go off. And uh, <laughs> it's just one half of a sample size. But he put himself in tier one of the quarterback composite efficient met- efficiency metrics that I look at on the Osmo.com data deep dive. So he, he just put him right himself right in line with Mahomes and Russell Wilson. Again, just one half of football against a Falcons defense that seems to make a habit of collapsing. We're not getting ahead of ourselves, but it was exciting to see, especially for their number one options. In regards to Anthony Miller, I think the, the answer is he's just good and he's just not being used well enough maybe it's uh to protect himself maybe he's nursing injuries we know he's been injury prone over the year but the amount of usage near the goal line which is resulting in touchdown production is probably it could be variance but it's probably a sign that he's good if he got more usage he would be even more exciting well we certainly like the usage for Allen robinson he's seventh in true opportunity share he's he's the leader in the Bear's targets by a mile. And even though he's priced at wide receiver seven, I think when you look at the upside, especially for tournament rosters, I think you could see him getting you to a 150 or a 200 point score easily, especially if the Colts show up on their passing game as well.
2: Allen Robinson's one of the, the foremost elite receivers in the league that doesn't get credit for it in most cases because of where he plays, right? Somebody like you or myself we see Allen Robinson and I would imagine most of our viewers too and say, Hey, this guy's really good. But for on a national level, you don't hear about Allen Robinson ever discussed in the same conversation as a Julio Jones. Right. Um, Or even, you know, even DK Metcalf gets talked about more than an Allen Robinson, which is fine, but the simple point to be made here and you just eloquently laid everything out. He's been peppered with targets, no matter who's in there because any quarterback is going to look to lean on an elite pass catcher like Allen Robinson. He's got 31 targets. He's averaging 10 plus targets per game over his first three outings. They've gotten matchups against Atlanta, New York, and and, and Detroit. Pretty easy spots. I guess the biggest question here is how much respect do we have for the Indianapolis Colts defense, who in all fairness to, to, um, to Chicago it's not exactly like the Colts have played a murderer's row of offenses <laughs> in the Jets, in the Vikings, in the Jaguars.
0: No, uh, and we almost need to contextualize the entire defensive statistics of the Colts for those three opponents. Uh, it's a little bit of disrespect for the the Jaguars, who are do have a winning record at this point. But we saw them basically turn the game into garbage time by turning over Sam Darnold within a few minutes of the game starting. So the game script there is just something we can kind of throw out all together. That said, we have seen Nick Foles and or Mitchell Trubisky implode in these ways before. We're probably going to see a little bit of increased ownership because there are the defensive touchdowns for the Colts defense. Uh, But with the low with the low point total, I think just to go back to the Bears for one moment, I think there's enough about game environment, at least from a casual perspective that are going to scare people away that going for these number one options in Foles and Robinson could really help you. Uh, again, it's just something we can lean on the usage. If I showed you the usage statistics and didn't tell you the team, you would be absolutely thrilled to play these players. See why Hilton comes in pretty well on the Osmo.com projections, uh, compared to salary and, uh, same with Naheem Hines, uh, Jonathan Taylor is right in line with his salary but Naheem Hines actually comes up about 9 points higher on the rankings there. So that might be a way to pivot as well.
2: Pro Football Focus has the Colts ranking number 1 in coverage this year. Again, we talk about contextualizing things. Uh they are still uh, likely going to be a good defense. Number 2 over in overall defense. There are some good things to be said about this Colts team. They're a good squad. I don't I don't deny Absolutely. that whatsoever. Uh, I don't think they're a juggernaut, though, in the sense that they're going to, you know, be preventing teams from scoring more than 10, 11 points, like they did. I mean, Kirk Cousins did that to himself. Uh, they 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 did a good job of of, of being opportunistic for sure, and, and picking him off. But Kirk Cousins had a brutal game, uh, and then Sam Darnold is just truly as bad as it gets right now. Uh, I, I'm not I'm not as high on Chicago though to come full circle here as I have been in other weeks, uh, I have enough respect right now for the Colts. I, I think Nick Foles is an upgrade from Trubisky, but I'm just, I'm just to throw this out there. I don't think he's that big of an upgrade. Uh, I'm big. not entirely sold on him. I've seen a lot of Nick Foles in my day. The guy can make some plays, but you know, he got benched for Garner Minshew in, in Jacksonville last season. And uh, there are some elements of his game that are still very weak Will he be able to to supplant Mitchell Trubisky and be better statistically and better for his pass catchers? I think so, but uh, I, I'm I'm not enamored with anyone here. And you guys will be happy to know that I will not be going back to David Montgomery this week. I'll cut my losses. I'll go one and one. Nailed it week one. Week two, not so much.
0: So even wh- even with the injury to Cohen, do you do you see a little bit of an opportunity? Uh- a sliver of hope for him to get enough usage everywhere on the field. So,
2: so that's kind of the thing, right? Week two, I, one of the, and week, and week three, one of the reasons I liked him was because Tariq Cohen wasn't getting usage to begin with. Right. Uh In week three, Tariq Cohen started being worked in a little bit more before this ACL injury, which was, I shouldn't say it was unexpected, but it was a lot different than what we saw in weeks one and two. Cohen saw a combined three targets through the first two weeks. He saw six targets in week two or week three uh, and two attempts on the ground. I do think you'll begin to see David Montgomery worked in a little bit more in the passing game, but there's no way that Tariq Cohen, um, in, in Tariq Cohen's stead, there's no way David Montgomery is going to play a potential eight target per game guy. But do I think he can be more involved? Sure. Um, I just don't think this is the week that I want to get to him. I do have enough respect for the Colts defense to where I think he could struggle on the ground. And I don't want to rely on him to produce through the air in order to get me what I need.
0: Now, let me ask you one more question about that. Do you, What do you think the probability is higher that David Montgomery gets the Tariq Cohen level targets and he gobbles up a little bit more of the opportunity share or Cordero Patterson gets the Tariq Cohen looks basically taking away from David Montgomery, which what do you think is more likely?
2: I think you're going to see my personal opinion on this is, I think you're going to see a balance. Um, I I think David. I think David Montgomery could be, you know, when the season comes to an end, you and I might be, be here on week 17 saying, yeah, David Montgomery averaged four targets per game or something along those lines. That's probably where I see it. Uh, again, I don't see him supplanting his production entirely. He's not the same type of back. But can he catch passes? Yeah, he can catch passes. Can he be involved yeah. out of the backfield? Sure. He's been targeted three times in three straight games. So I think you're going to see some four, five, six target games.
0: Yeah, I, I think the I ceiling's I, higher I there. I
2: don't see him being Tariq Cohen. What about you?
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. But one thing I also noticed is when Tariq Cohen left the game, they were using Cordero Patterson in a traditional running back uh, position. They were putting him in the I-form. They were putting him behind a fullback. So they're clearly thinking of him as a secondary option in their backfield. Of course, we know what he can do uh, in the screen game or in the passing game. Uh, he's been very effective over the years. We also saw them re-sign Artavis Pierce. Ryan Nall ran a couple of routes, so there might be some added usage for him. Yeah, I was kind of baiting you a little bit. I think the probability of Montgomery getting that extra usage is low and they're just going to increase Patterson and maybe Knoll or Pierce gets a few more looks.
2: Carolina, Arizona, unless there's anybody else from the Colts that you want to talk about, we should probably spend uh, one more minute on on Jonathan Taylor, right? Sure. Uh, $6,600. Once again, I would expect to see a decent amount of ownership here. Uh right now Jonathan Taylor coming in at, let's see here only 8%. Whew. Okay so let me let me throw this at you. 8% makes sense. People look at the Chicago Bears defense, they have some respect for them. Uh this game has a total sitting around what did I say 45 points, 44 and a half points. Mm-hmm. So, you know, expectedly low output from both teams uh in this one, more so Chicago, but still the Colts Is is Jonathan Taylor reliable enough to get those carries and put up big numbers? Because, hey, we saw Jordan Wilkins get carries in these games. They were winning in blowout fashion. So if you're actually talking about who's going to get fourth quarter carries in a game that's competitive, and right now the line suggests this game should be competitive, it's very difficult for me to believe that Jordan Wilkins ends up getting anything. Check this out, right? Jordan Wilkins had uh, nine carries. I think it was one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, nine carries in week two against Minnesota. Eight of them came in the second half. Five of them came in the fourth quarter. Uh, last week, he had three in the second quarter and eight in the, or I'm sorry, yeah, eight, three in the first first half. It was a second quarter. And then he had six attempts in the second half five in the fourth quarter if this game's competitive Jonathan Taylor is going to soak up the large majority of that second half work
0: yeah well said and we've only really seen one game script situation which you're describing and that's where they need they were up by one or one and a half possessions as you would say and they needed to run out the clock in the second half against the Vikings and what did we see Jonathan Taylor 26 carries hits the 100 yard rushing bonus So that's their identity. That's how they want to play. They want to have shut down defense. They signed Xavier Rhodes this year, and he made a play last week. Uh, And it, it really is why there's a low implied total, not to mention the Bears, of course. But they would rather just get up by a little bit and run the clock out. So Jonathan Taylor, from a usage perspective, doesn't scare me at all. It's just the game flow environment. And if we get good Nick Foles again, if they're coming back, we might see more of those secondary backs.
2: Arizona laying three and a half points at Carolina, 51 point total here. Carolina with a impressive and decisive win last week against the LA Chargers. I think that surprised a decent amount of people. To knock them off 21-16. Mike Davis was targeted on forty-five percent of the routes he ran. In contrast, Christian McCaffrey was targeted on fifteen percent of the routes that he ran over the first two weeks before being injured. Do I anticipate that continuing? Not necessarily, but I do think Bridgewater is going to lean on Mike Davis, who's been targeted 17 times over the last two games, man, that makes things a little bit interesting. It it appears that he's also getting a little bit of interest as far as ownership goes as well. 19.5%. He's coming in as the eighth highest owned player on this slate.
0: And, And it shouldn't surprise anyone really because of his price, He's priced down at running back 17 and especially in full PPR formats like DraftKings. He's fundamentally he's fundamentally mispriced. He's getting the usage like 2019 Christian McCaffrey. We certainly were probably going to see it from 2020 Christian McCaffrey and we still may later in the season. But the amount of targets even before you include the running game opportunity is just too high to ignore. So from a floor and ceiling perspective at 5,700, needing only 17 points to get you three X value, he really looks like one of the strongest plays on the slate. Yes. You're going to be dealing with huge ownership, but even in this game script, I really like Mike Davis from here and until he uh, is replaced by McCaffrey once again,
2: talking about the rest of Carolina, uh, DJ Moore, very, very popular. Uh, 27% 27% projected ownership. You can check all of our ownership projections, player projections out at awesomeo.com. by the way. Uh, awesomeocom slash join. We've got everything for anybody, no matter what your budget is. Uh, oh, and by the way, the, the express pass, we beefed it up. We added all of the showdown ownership, showdown projections, showdown rankings, showdown top plays, uh, all of that into the package. So all of the showdown slates every single week the express package, $3.95 per week. On top of all of the stuff that was already in there, now we've got the showdown stuff. Every bit of showdown content we have for NFL is now included in the NFL Express Weekly, which by the way, if you haven't done so yet and you wanted to get a look uh, behind the curtain before deciding to jump in, we've got some free content today, which on the site, usually behind paywall, NFL showdown ownership rankings, and the ownership projections for tonight's game between the Denver Broncos and the Jacksonville Jaguars. One more thing. Matt Kajewski and I broke down the whole game, NFL Showdown Strategy Show. We did that at 9 a.m. So when you're done with this, if you have some time, be sure to check that one out. It's an ugly game. It's an ugly, ugly game. Yes, but it is. there's still a ton of money to be made. Okay. So uh, <laughs> head over to awesomeocom slash join if you want to check out everything we have to offer. Remember, all of our tools... Everything on the site developed, made, created and used by the number one ranked DFS player in the world. Alex Baker. You can look it up. It's facts and we're not making anything up. We're just we're not just slapping his name on it. It's the real deal. These are the tools that he uses to win a ton of money and that a lot of our users uh, and a lot of our subscribers have won a ton of money with as well. So head over there. Check it out. We got some free content from here to there. You can see behind the wall, behind the paywall before you jump in. But awesomeocom slash join uh, and go to our Hall of Fame page. You'll see all of the people that have won a ton of money playing uh, with our tools, our projections, our ownership and our lineup builder. You name it. Uh, And be sure to join that premium Slack chat when you do, because if you love talking DFS and sports betting as much as we do, everyone's doing it around the clock. Uh, It's a great community over there. I think you'll like it. Uh, DJ Moore, 27% ownership. He's going to be very popular. Uh, And it's 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 a spot where, you know, Vegas has 51 point implied total here. That is suggesting right now, Matt, and I'll toss this over to you. That is suggesting right now that you are going to see a decent amount of scoring from both teams here. Not a heavy spread whatsoever. And um, yeah, 51 points seems like a lot in this game, but. Arizona is going to play at a pretty fast pace under Cliff Kingsbury and Carolina is probably going to look to get the ball out early and often out of Bridgewater's hands to guys like Mike Davis and then lean on DJ Moore.
0: That's correct. And from a pace perspective, we saw the Panthers play extremely fast the first two weeks of the season and then slow things down in the second half with a big lead against the Chargers. So he threw over 40 times. That's Bridgewater threw over 40 times, weeks one and two he was down at 31 in week three we can attribute most of that to game script in regards to dj moore he's he's annoying me a little bit this season i'm gonna i'm gonna admit it because the production just isn't there compared to his massive usage so he actually ranks seventh overall in true weighted opportunity share that's the metric the usage metric i highlight in the Osmo.com data deep dive in target share he's in the top 12 in air yard share he's in the top
1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Three. He had 58% of the Panthers air yards last week. And when you compare the production to that, he's wildly underperforming. So in season long, I certainly see him as a buy low candidate and today, or excuse me, this week against the Cardinals with that high implied total and a low price at 5600 on DraftKings. He's one of the most intriguing plays on the slate at the wide receiver position. The Osmo.com projections are way, way bullish on him compared to almost any other player having him in the top five compared to that 20, wide receiver 25 price tag. If
2: you're talking about market share of targets as well, it's, it's been a two-horse race here among the wide receivers in Carolina. It's DJ Moore. And it's Robbie Anderson who has definitely carved out a sizable role for himself in Carolina. Very impressive early on 25 and percent for Moore. 23 and percent for Robbie Anderson. And you know, Robbie Anderson looking at someone like DJ Moore getting a ton of ownership right now, Robbie Anderson on the same in the same game on the same team is getting 4% at $5,400. Now let me be clear. One of the biggest reasons for this, Matt, is because if someone looks at D.J. Moore at 5,600 and looks at Robbie Anderson at 5,400, they're they're still going to look towards D.J. Moore as the, you know, the more skilled, talented player with the, the, the better pedigree. And everyone knows what they're going to do. But Robbie Anderson has been consistently targeted as the wide receiver, too. In some games, the wide receiver won. If, if Teddy Bridgewater is forced to go to the air here and Anderson is coming in at 22% less ownership than DJ Moore, I'm actually not opposed to getting a little bit different here. I truly don't think it's the craziest idea. He, he's, he has less air yards than DJ Moore by a decent amount. His dot is lower. All, I understand all of that stuff, but he has a catch rate of 83% this season. He has been able to secure far more of his opportunities than DJ Moore has. And while I'm not sure that's sustainable, it does make him an interesting play at way less ownership in a game with a 50 plus point total.
0: Yeah, well said. And, you know, there's no doubt about it that Robbie Anderson has moved far ahead of Curtis Samuel in the target and air yard totem pole in this offense. He's been efficient with his, uh, with his opportunities, and it's not like his opportunities have been small. He actually ranks in the top 20 in wide receivers, actually top 15 I'm seeing now, in true target share, and he's in the top 15 as well in total targets. So the volume is actually there, especially if we see the pass totals that we saw in weeks one and two. Uh, again, Vegas is actually predicting this as one of the higher total games, so we could see a, a great game from both players here.
2: The only thing I don't like is Teddy Bridgewater, man. He has had a very tough time punching this ball into the end zone. Uh, You know, based on his yardage totals, you would certainly expect more opportunities to score for these players. Hasn't been the case, but let me tell you this, this might surprise you, Matt. In terms of red zone opportunities for pass catchers, Robbie Anderson has doubled up the next closest receiver. He has four red zone targets this season. Curtis Samuel has two. DJ Moore has won. Now granted Moore's was inside the 5-yard line, all of Robbie Anderson's have been inside the 20, but it's not like he's he's it's not like Robbie Anderson is simply being used as the, the as the type of receiver he was in in New York where Correct. you know, he get a get a couple opportunities on go routes maybe a few short uh short intermediate routes but couldn't really manufacture anything. He's being used everywhere including the red zone, which is worth keeping an eye on.
0: Yep yeah and if we can see just a little bit of improvement in the efficiency of Teddy Bridgewater with the amount of passes we see and the pace of play, uh, again, we, they could keep pace with a Cliff Kingsbury Air raid offense here that we really don't have any concern over their scoring ability over these first three games. So it really is some, it really is a situation where the Panthers are likely going to be forced into a game situation where they can finally keep pace as, as scorers. So that's the production we're hoping for with those two, with those two players there.
2: Talk to me about the Arizona Cardinals here. DeAndre Hopkins hadn't practiced, got an ankle injury. Uh, I I assume that he's, that he's going to play Uh, until further notice, until we hear anything to the contrary. I, I think we should all just assume that that's going to be the case. He's been wildly effective in, in, in the, the opportunities that he had. He leads the league in target share at 36%, uh, 238 air yards. It's not at the top of the league. By the way, Calvin Ridley has 559 air yards.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's (laughs) an absurd number. (laughs) The next (laughs) person has
2: 200 less than him. That's so crazy. Sorry, I don't mean to get off topic here, but just like it, those are insane numbers. Uh, Nevertheless, DeAndre Hopkins, like I said, maybe not the biggest air yards guy, but he's fourth in the league in yards after the catch, and I love those type of players that can create yards by themselves. He's a he's a he's a he's a human joystick, uh, and he's the type of player that can take the ball ten yards deep and run for another fifty. They're just special players, and there aren't many a lot many of them in the league anymore.
0: Yeah, and one thing that I've noticed this year is that his average depth of target is actually way down in Arizona. And going back and watching the film of that game against the Lions, they're using him in the wide receiver screen game. They're using him very close to the wide receiver I love line that, of though. scrimmage as well as those deep targets. He's getting a deep target per game already. So, exactly. I think the ceiling is actually higher because when you throw passes closer to the line of scrimmage, what do you get? A higher catch rate. So, if we get a couple more catches for DeAndre Hopkins, he's number one in true target share. Uh, So, it's not something we have to be concerned about. Yes, the air yards are Calvin Ridley's game, but he's still sixth overall in true weighted opportunity. Uh, So, we're – in season long, we absolutely – under We overestimated the concern about the distribution of targets here. It helps because Christian Kirk is missing time. It looks like he's trending towards back uh, being back this week. But still, even with a wide receiver one price tag on DraftKings, Hopkins is still one of the best plays on the slate in this great environment.
2: How about Kenyon Drake? People have been very disappointed by him through the first couple of weeks. He ha- or for the, Through the first few weeks, he hasn't been able to produce the numbers you would expect Uh, especially in some spots with a pretty positive game flow you know he's 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 getting shots on the ground right 18 20 and 16 attempts he's yet to break the 90 yard mark and i think the biggest concern to many people is while he has 100 percent reception rate he's been targeted only five times through three games that is certainly rubbing people the wrong way and as them questioning whether or not this is somebody that is going to be involved in the passing game. Or is Chase Edmonds, who's been targeted twice as many times as, uh, as Kenyon Drake, going to continue to siphon off some of those looks?
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Chase Edmonds, and it's clear that the Cardinals are as well. If anything were to ever happen to Kenyon Drake, I think we're going to see a humongous workload for Chase Edmonds. He never root for an injury. I'd like
2: to see him as a starter somewhere else, to be
0: honest. Uh, It would be really interesting to see, and and just the way they use him in the passing game is just very very exciting. One thing that I looked at this week is high-value opportunities at the running back position versus what they call trap opportunities. Those are plays— on first or second down far from the goal line the expected fantasy points of those rushes are significantly lower than a target or a goal line rush and Chase Edmonds is well ahead of Kenyon Drake in that category he actually ranks 32nd among all running backs while Drake is uh, right around 50th he's 45th actually I'm seeing now so when we look at quality of opportunity Chase Edmonds actually is the better back here and if we look at Uh, projection compared to salary it looks like edmonds might be the better play now he only has a projection of running back 30 but needing only 12 and a half points for 3x value on DraftKings, that's very intriguing to me you certainly are getting the opportunity overall for drake like you said the carry numbers are there and with the high total you would expect him to get a few extra looks maybe an extra touchdown is mixed in there but at running back 13 on on the whole slate you're definitely gonna have to pay for it
2: It's a spot that I have no problem getting away from, but if he's got, well, you know what, let's wait till we get to this game a little bit later on. There's another running back at a similar price point that's getting immense ownership. Uh, Hasn't proven a whole lot yet, but his team's finally favored at home. Maybe it'll be his breakthrough. Until we get there though, we've got to get through this one first and a couple of others, Washington and Baltimore. Uh, Matt, I mentioned the other day on a show that, uh, I, I bet Baltimore is, is thir- I laid 13 points with Baltimore and I it's a lot of points. I still didn't mind doing it. I think this is an absolute route, okay? I'll come back and I'll say, I'm dumb. I'll eat my hat, whatever I need to do if I'm wrong on this one. But I just absolutely think coming off a brutal beatdown on primetime Monday night football at the hands of the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. By the way, Lamar Jackson is 21-1 against the rest of the league in, since he started a couple of years ago, 0-3 against Kansas City. They've they owned had his them. number. Yeah, they they are. And he, he admitted it.
0: Yep. That, that good is for not him.
2: going to be the case with the Washington Redskins. This is still one of the – Patrick Mahomes is a different breed. That Baltimore secondary that he carved up is elite. Marlon Humphrey just got paid almost a hundred million dollars. That's how good that's all pro corners. They're good. They're really good. I think they are going to decimate Dwayne Haskins, make life miserable, miserable for him. This team is not going to be able to run the ball with Peyton Barber and Antonio Gibson and outside of Terry McLaurin who they will be able to slow down. They have no one else. I think this is a blowout win. And I also think that Lamar Jackson is one of the very enticing guys. Now, Here's the thing, Matt. He's very he's very expensive. But ownership on Lamar Jackson is less than 2% right now. Less than 2%. Do you know what happens when the Ravens blow teams out? It's because Lamar Jackson's run for two touchdowns and he threw for three, just as he did against Miami in week one last year and many others. I get it. He's been disappointing to start of the year. But this is the bounce back for Lamar Jackson. I got no problem running some naked Lamar Jackson lineups, pairing him maybe with Mark Andrews in a bounce back spot, maybe Marcus Brown. I don't want to have a ton of them because they're pricey, uh, but I'm looking at Lamar Jackson at 2%. And my jaw drops seeing what he's about to do to this Washington football team. Yeah, that
0: that really doesn't make a lot of sense unless we're seeing sky high ownership on players like Ingram or Dobbins, I suppose, because they think the game is going to get so out of hand that they're going to mop up in garbage time. But Jackson should absolutely be higher owned than that, even as the highest priced quarterback on the slate. That's exactly right. When they win games by a large margin, it's usually because he was either efficient in the running game, efficient in the passing game, or both. So I don't know why you wouldn't want exposure to their number one backfield option in terms of rushing and, of course, their passer. So that absolutely seems like an ownership level that doesn't make sense. One thing that I was looking at in this game in terms of PFF net advantages is that the real large advantages come on the defensive side of the ball for Baltimore. You mentioned it. I really think they're going to be able to bottle up Terry McLaurin, even though he's 12th in true weighted opportunity share among among all wide receivers. We know his production is down in the high 30s for wide receivers. And that has a lot to do with Dwayne Haskins, who ranks 34th. Remember, there's only 32 starting quarterbacks each week. 34th in quarterback composite efficiency on my data deep dive. So there's advantages on the rushing side of the ball for, on defense for Baltimore, and even more in the passing game. I, I predict that this Washington pass game gets completely shut down, which uh, maybe lead me to some Ravens defense. I was going
2: to say the same thing,
0: Matt. Yep. Even though they're the number one defense as well.
2: They're expensive, but. This could be one of those spots where you know you've got like the Colts last week, two defensive touchdowns, and it makes a massive difference.
3: Uh, add I, too. I,
2: I like the Ravens to to steamroll Washington, and if Was- if Dwayne ha- if Dwayne Haskins manages to put up points here and keep pace, then I then I will rethink entirely how I think of Haskins. I'm, I'm serious. That that is how confident I am that they will have no success moving the football, Matt. Does that make sense? Like, if he can move the football against Baltimore, it's one of two things. Because it's a lot harder to get lucky on flukes against really good defenses than it is, you know, maybe against a good pitcher to connect on one, close your eyes, hit a home run, and a couple of other sports. But if this happens, I'm going to assume that either Dwayne Haskins has figured something out, or Baltimore has just... In, in two weeks, become really bad, and the latter just simply isn't in the cards. I don't think the former is either.
3: Yeah. So I don't really have
2: anything. For- I don't really have anything else on this one. Uh, I have no interest in Washington, uh, and I, I do want to get tournament exposure to Baltimore's passing game and Lamar Jackson. Uh, the the backfield for me is just so muddled right now. I don't have confidence that it's going to be Ingram or Dobbins or Gus Edwards and i'd probably just prefer to stay away from it how about you
0: yeah exactly breaking down the snap uh, the rushing snaps totals it's really jackson's backfield because it's spread out between edwards who by the way has been the most efficient rusher of all of them and dobbins and
3: Ingram. with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
1: a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. avoid, prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's hard to trust any of them. It's almost like the San Francisco backfield where when they're are fully healthy you know they're going to be efficient you know someone might break out but predicting which one is very difficult week to week and I was going to say it's such a shame from a usage perspective for talents like Terry McLaurin and we should add tight end Logan Thomas if you just looked at the usage stats sort of like we were saying for Allen Robinson you would be so excited about these two players and then you know the efficiency that they're capable of having it's just not there the scoring is not there and it's it's just impossible to trust in any format for Terry McLaurin for Thomas, and, and it's really the same for the Ravens for the Ravens backfield. It's just that I, I you said the two percent ownership. I'm still flabbergasted. It makes no sense to me. It's
2: crazy, man. It's crazy. Maybe the price has something to do with it. Maybe sure. there's just well, I mean, yeah, that definitely does. But there's probably also concern. Oh, he, he hasn't looked great through the first however many weeks. That'll be turned around this week.
0: I well, yeah, great. if you look at things from you want your lineup to have a 150-point pace and you want your projections, even your median projections, to at least get you to a 150-point pace, I'm looking at Lamar Jackson's Osmo.com projection, and it's 2.1 points higher than what you need for an 150-point pace. He's a great option this week, no doubt. For sure.
2: Uh, last thing I'll say, the Dwayne Haskins has thrown three times inside the 10-yard line. All three of those balls have gone to Logan Thomas. So while he hasn't been able to convert, there are definitely he is definitely being featured in the red zone when the opportunities present themselves. I just don't see them present. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't get inside the ten yard line this week.
0: Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll eat my words, either. but
2: <laughs> I, I i'm i'm willing i'm willing to die on that hill. If if the hill I die on is that Washington is terrible and they end up scoring thirty points. So be it, Matt. Let's talk about Tampa Bay and the L.A. Chargers. Tampa Bay laying seven and a half points here at home. It appears that Tom Brady and the Bucs have have begun to figure things out a little bit. Him and Bruce Arians becoming a little bit more comfortable with each other. They've dropped 31 and 28 points, respectively, or against Carolina and Denver, respectively. Uh, Tom Brady... Is completing a you know respectable 65% of his passes. He's thrown seven. I have a bet with Ben Rossa too. I have a pretty hefty bet with Ben Rossa that he throws. Uh, I think it's over 23 or 24, 23 and a half touchdowns this year. So uh, I'm hoping he stays healthy and he keeps averaging around you know two per game. We could hit that maybe by week 12, and I'll feel good. But uh, I can't say I'm I'm enamored with Brady this week. It's unfortunate that we've had so many damn injuries to this pass-catching core for, for the Tampa Bay Bucs. Chris Godwin, like Chris Godwin's first two games that he's played and he got injured last game really haven't been bad. The yardage isn't exceptional, but he's hauled in 11 of 13 targets, Matt. He found the end zone. He just can't stay healthy. Uh, and then Mike Evans has been you know, his typical self. He's going to have bad games. He's going to have good games. But last week was was this one of the stranger is this one of the stranger things you've seen? And then I'm just gonna throw this over to you. Week one, one reception, two yards, one touchdown. He was injured, but still. Week three, two receptions, two yards, two touchdowns. How does that happen?
0: I I really think it has to do with the game flow that Brady Wants to play this year, and I actually was writing this up in the data article earlier this week. That they seem so content, almost running a Patriot style efficient offense that leans on the running game to score, and just uses the passing game as a way to move the chains. So you are going to see situations where players like Scotty Miller or Justin Watson, if they're healthy. Uh, they they get a majority of the targets for one game because Brady is exploiting a matchup, he's taking care of business, and they're scoring enough to win games. You're seeing a really low total for this game. I saw it at 45, even though the Buccaneers have a huge implied total compared to the Chargers. And, and in the efficiency metrics that I look at as well, Brady is not ranking very well. I believe he ranks 24th right now among quarterbacks. Uh, Actually, it's lower than that, 29th, and he's 32nd in expected points added per play. So on a per-play basis, he's actually been one of the least efficient players. Now, we know that from a drive success rate, he's getting the ball into the end zone enough for them to win. But there's still a lot of meat on the bone, we should say, a lot of room for improvement. It's not going to be easy this week with Godwin trending towards out. It looks like Scott Miller is also going to have trouble, so they're going to be relying on some tight ends and O.J. Howard or Rob Gronkowski. Or some options that we weren't even thinking of to start the season, like Justin Watson or even uh, we could see Tyler Johnson this week. Also, Leonard Fournette looks like he's not gonna play this week, which might see Ronald Jones's projection increase, but his ownership will as well in what is expected in a in a favorable matchup for running backs.
2: What do you make of of the the pass catching matchups for, for Mike Evans here? You know, the the Chargers pretty respectable pass coverage on this team i think they've at times been a bit shaky but you look at them against kansas city you have to give them credit they were they, they they i won't say that they i i wouldn't go as far to say that they stymied patrick mahomes i think he played one of his lesser uh impressive games and if you looked at him in the fourth quarter in overtime he drove the ball downfield with relative ease because that's what he does but you know assuming that chris godwin doesn't end up playing did not practice or uh ha- is not practicing today we have that news already mike evans i can only imagine sees you know a, a higher share of targets the one game that did godwin missed in week two godwin or evans was targeted 10 times and they won that game by two touchdowns
0: yeah i think he makes a ton of sense you're going to see ownership's Shift that way if godwin misses as it looks like he is but one thing i was looking at in the pff net advantage grades is that they grade out much better in the running game that is the buccaneers do versus the chargers than the passing game now i might be mistaken about this but didn't chris harris also get injured for the chargers defense this weekend yep chris
2: harris is out i believe
0: that's a big loss for them now they still have hayward and they do have a competent defense we said this last week. We're never going to see what the Chargers defense could IR. be in full strength. Oh, so that that's an incredibly large loss for a passing game. Now, with just one option in the passing game, they might be able to shift their concern to Evans entirely and force Brady to beat them with someone else. We've certainly seen that tactic used on Brady before. Uh, again, I'm seeing a massive running game advantage and a running block advantage from the PFF net grades here, which, again especially at Fournette's out, leads me to Ronald Jones.
2: That uh, Listen, Ronald Jones is one of those players that can win tournaments for you because no one ever wants to play the guy. His price is deflated after what we saw with Leonard Fournette in week two. Mind you, Ronald Jones was having a strong game until he fumbled, Matt. Um, right. did he Did he lose that? I swear, you know, it's showing that he didn't fumble. Why did I... I swear I saw Ronald Jones fumble in week he,
0: he, it may have been called back by a penalty or something like that, but he absolutely fumbled and he absolutely got put in the proverbial doghouse. Right. By okay. I'm not yeah. crazy. Here. Nope. No, you're not.
2: Okay. Because I, I bet him first to score a touchdown, but I also had, mm-hmm. um, I also had a lot of Ronald Jones in DFS. So he gets that touchdown. I'm like, all right, here we go. We're in business now. And then after he dropped, after he put that ball in the ground, he kind of disappeared. That makes more sense. I, I, yeah, I swear he fumbled and lost it, but maybe you're right. Maybe they returned it, or, or maybe they they called it back. But Bruce Arians definitely, as you said, put him in the proverbial uh, doghouse. 13 carries last week. Denver run defense. They're okay. They're great. They're going to grade middle of the league, so it, it is what it is there. But if Leonard Fournette does happen to sit, LeSean McCoy certainly isn't going to siphon off a bunch of, of of carries here in the backfield. Uh, Fournette non participant in Thursday's practice. Practice dealing with that ankle injury. You could be right about this. Ronald Jones at that price could end up being strong. Plus, they're seven and a half point favorites, which clearly feels like they could dictate this game on the ground.
0: Yeah, and that's that's really where I'm looking right now. Uh, I I'm not trusting Mike Evans the way that this offense is running, and so I'm probably staying away from this, assuming Godwin is out. On the other side of the ball, I really like that uh, Keenan Allen has once again emerged as this number one target. So assuming that the Chargers are in this catch-up situation, I definitely may be looking to Keenan Allen as a usage hog and uh, just to play the volume there, even in this low game total.
2: Keenan Allen to me is someone that, one, is a PPR monster, two... You really need to rely on the targets and the receptions for him to get there, because, generally speaking, he's the type of guy that'll give you thirteen, recept- or Sorry, ten to thirteen targets, uh, and he hauls in a very. High, he hauls them in at a very high clip. You know, not a ridiculous. Ad- What's his A dot this year? Do you know off the top of your head?
0: I don't have his average depth of target, but what I was going to add is that his true air yard share, his share of the Chargers overall air yards is actually eighth overall in the league. So he's he's being used as a uh, what I usually call the alpha wide receiver. So he's being used downfield more. His touchdown was past 16 yards, I believe, last week uh, in the fourth quarter in their ferocious comeback. He's ranked number one in true weighted opportunity share. So including air yards into the mix, he he's up there with the elites, the Hopkins of the world. He isn't uh he isn't treated like that. And that's why his wide receiver 11 price tag, it seems kind of right this week compared to his projection, especially on Osmo.com. Three hundred
2: and thirty-two air yards this season. And granted, they're not the end all and be all. Point being is that Keenan Allen is the type of guy that can really provide you a ton of security as well. Uh yeah. Wow, 342 air yards. That ranks seventh. And like you said, the the target share or the the market share of air yards, would you say eighth in the entire league? So Yeah, he's
0: he's great. at an elite level in targets. Well, he's second there in true target share. So Oh, here we go.
2: Jeff option. Williams. Thanks, Jeff. And our premium Slack chat says, Lavi, they credited the fumble to Brady, even though it was Jones' fault. Technically, he never has possession. Good call there, Jeff. And by the way, they need to they, they need to be more. They need more discretion about that. I've seen quarterbacks get get credited with fumbles that had nothing to do with them, just because the, the the running back can't handle a a handoff. But, uh, yeah, Keenan Allen for me on this side stands out. He's still underpriced, too. Like if he's gonna, it, you know what we you know, I think we both noticed Justin Herbert is surely leaning on him as a young quarterback, knowing that he can put the ball within a somewhat respectable catch rate or a somewhat respectable distance of Keenan Allen and he has the catch radius to bring it in. That's encouraging if you're a young quarterback because you're going to keep peppering him. What are you doing? We'll move on after this with the with the running backs for the, the uh, LA Chargers.
0: Yeah, I'm still very respectful of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers run defense. We know that Todd Bowles really, really values stopping the run as a part of his ident- the defensive identity. Looking at the price tag of austin eckler because of that great game he's priced at running back five right now certainly the awesomeo.com projections are very bearish on eckler compared to that so there might be some pivots to joshua kelly but even he's priced up to running back 24 that's that's pretty pricey so he's he's 5100 you're not getting a huge savings there as a secondary running back in what should be a poor game script for uh, especially for running backs coming from behind
2: We've seen a, a very interesting very interesting usage of Austin Eckler based on how the game is moving. Uh, and if you're assuming that this game is going to play where Tampa Bay takes the lead and the, and the, uh, and the Chargers are forced to play from behind, then Austin Eckler becomes a little bit more intriguing. One target against the Cincinnati Bengals in a game that was competitive throughout, never a wide lead. Uh, four targets against the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, a game that went to overtime. 11 targets last week in a game where they were playing from behind since the very beginning. So if if, if you're trying to, to, to get a feel for how this one's going to play, uh, consider keeping that in mind. Another thing, too, the biggest disparity in snap counts from Weeks 1 through Week 3 with Eckler and Joshua Kelly. Eckler playing from behind, 72% of snaps. Joshua Kelly only 29%. That, in contrast to week two, where it was 57 and 52 percent. All right. Sorry, what's that?
0: I was just going to say that makes a ton of sense. You're going to see Eckler more in the passing game. I will say, though, that regardless of how far behind, they're using Joshua Kelly consistently at the goal line, which uh, means that there's some touchdown equity there that you could grab onto.
2: All right. Seattle, Miami. I'm a big Fitzpatrick guy. I love the guy. His team loves him. They all love him, Matt. He's a stud. Well, sometimes he's a stud. And guess what? When he is a stud, he's going to win you tournaments. When he's not, the defense he's facing is going to win you tournaments. (laughs) That's how it works. But, I mean, who doesn't love Ryan Fitzmagic? You're crazy and you're soulless if you don't like this man. I don't even care if you're a Jets or a Dolphins fan. Well, if you're a Jets fan still at this stage of the game, you're sold.
3: With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
3: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes.
4: Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
3: I never win and tell.
4: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now.
1: Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Coolest to begin with. but That's, that's uh, right. The Miami. Miami. Look, I'm an Eagles fan. I feel for you guys. Don't take it personally. Miami Dolphins, uh, 6.5-point dogs at home. 54-point total, though. How about that? Seattle's defense has faced some good teams. I want to let you run with this, Matt, because I don't want to go too long today. But Seattle's defense, through the first three weeks, they faced Dak Prescott last week, then they had Cam Newton, who clearly looks great, uh, and Matt Ryan. 461 passing yards, 397 passing yards. 434 passing yards allowed. That is preposterous that any team facing any quarterbacks through three weeks is averaging 430 passing yards allowed per game. So simply put, while they could make life tough for Ryan Fitzpatrick, they still don't have a good pass rush. uh, Russell Wilson is carrying them to wins because they can't get to opposing quarterbacks. A clean pocket for Ryan Fitzpatrick could result in a pretty decent game for him, for Devontae Parker and Mike Gusecki. So I'll leave you with this, Matt. Ownership right now on the Miami Dolphins as six-and-a-half-point dogs in a game with a 54-point total. Uh, At AwesomeMode.com, you can check our ownership out. Ryan Fitzpatrick is at 5%. Devontae Parker is getting 10%. Gusecki getting 3.5%. Floor is yours. What are you doing with this game? Tackle both sides.
0: Sure. Uh, So first of all, I want to say that the Russ is cooking. Debate is over. He's cooking. It's happening. So what I want to say by that is I, I was looking at some of the metrics for my data deep dive, and the Seahawks weren't really popping as an aggressive team because their pace of play is actually slow, and their pass rate on first and second down in neutral situations isn't that great. But Russell, Russell Wilson just
2: can't miss throws. That's what,
0: <laughs> Exactly. He's throwing deep consistently and not missing his throws. So when you incorporate air yards into pace of play by doing a stat like air yards per second of play, he is up there with the most aggressive teams in the league, along with the Steelers and the Bengals, who are essentially just letting Joe Burrow air it out every game. So that's why you're seeing these massive point totals for the Seahawks, because he's been efficient on the deep ball. It's sort of like... When Steph Curry started taking more threes and he was just as efficient as always, the points just went up. So that's exactly what we're seeing with the Seahawks right now. He's number one in my composite efficiency metric that I look at in the data deep dive. He's turning drives into scores. That's touchdowns at the second highest rate in the league. He's second in expected points added per play. And when you have efficiency like that and two receivers who are taking up more than 50% Of the air yards and targets In Lockett and Metcalf It's just an ideal situation For fantasy football It's going to have high, high ownership with it If you're looking at median projections It might actually be a little bit scary Both Metcalf and Lockett Are priced above what their projection is But when you think about ceiling When you think about the ability for that To put up slate-breaking scores We're talking about Lockett and Metcalf As two of the highest probability receivers In the entire slate simply because of how good Russell Wilson has played. That also brings Chris Carson into the mix, because at running back 11, he's not incredibly pricey. His projection lines up just there as well, and if they're going to be scoring that many touchdowns, as we expect, then Carson could easily plunge in for two. Now, we're not 100% sure he's playing, but he did practice earlier this week, which is a great sign for his availability on Sunday. There's no question that i'm going to be taking seahawks stack un- stacks until further notice especially against a dolphins defense who i don't really respect as one of the top t- uh, tiered teams in any defensive unit so looks like i'm having i don't know if people can hear me right now it you can hear me cool okay cool we're back on it awesome so in case i was uh, unable to, unable to be heard i'm trusting the seahawks that you trust Okay, cool. And then the Dolphins here, what I'm also looking at is Ryan Fitzpatrick is spreading the ball out to many of his receivers after Mike Gusecki. So I'm really leaning on Gusecki, even if he has high ownership and high salary here. He's salaried up at tight end six on the week. So he's going to need a big game for you. But again, in this game environment against the Seahawks, I think the probability of it happening is quite high. Same with Devontae Parker. I think his projection compared to his salary of wide receiver 23 looks really, really solid. And again, we're not talking about one of the worst offensive teams in the league. We're talking about a middle-of-the-road efficiency team and a middle-of-the-road efficiency quarterback. So I'm seeing quarterback 14 in terms of composite efficiency. That's not terrible, and it is enough to take a few bets on these Dolphins receivers as productive options this week. Not touching the running game here. Uh, Miles Gaskin, though he is, he seems to have taken over control of this backfield. And at running back twenty-five in salary, he might present some value. I just, uh, I, I think it's a stay-away situation for me.
2: Yeah, not huge on that. It, it, his his snap count continues to rise. Jordan Howard's been relegated to, and this is the unfortunate part, a goal line role. Uh, I believe Jordan Howard had two opportunities inside the red zone last week. Uh, that sucks, right? He had, or I'm sorry, at at the goal line, I believe he had two at the goal line. One of them he punched in, the other he didn't. He might have even had three. That's not what I want to see. Gaskin's been okay. He's slippery, right? He's slippery. He can can hit holes, but against good defensive fronts, he's going to struggle. I'm getting away from that as well. If Gaskin was still in the 4K range, uh, I'd be willing to have a different conversation. But I just think this game is going to be uh, an aerial assault. On both sides, my assumption is Seattle is is is, is going to get ahead. Well, not even get ahead early, but they're going to be able to score. Uh, and Miami, on the opposite side, is going to have to do what they can to answer. I wish Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, wasn't providing these pass catchers with such flat target shares. You know, Gasecki's leading the team, but he's at 19%, 19.8%, Parker at 18%, Preston Williams at 15 But I will say this much. Uh, oh, and um, I think even Isaiah Ford.
0: Isaiah Ford, yep. I was right, mention even it Isaiah as well.
2: Ford. Yeah, I'll say this much though: Gusecki, Parker, and Williams are all ten plus A dot players this season. There's upside in in rostering these guys, and and I think that that's at least that's at least going to make things uh, pretty attractive from a game stacking standpoint. Devontae Parker, yes, he's getting ownership. But I'll tell you what, Matt, I really think the lack of a pass rush for Seattle uh, is going to make them one of the best teams to target all season long because you could target Metcalf, you could target Lockett, you could target Wilson, but they're going to give up points. And Vegas has clearly adjusted pretty quickly to that. Uh, and you can see from Miami uh, alone getting a pretty respectable uh implied total for a Dolphins team that never gets above 20.
0: We should right. be consistent here and say that if the Dolphins are on the type of game script that we assume, though, that Miles Gaskin actually might be a decent option in the vein similar to Austin Eckler. He sure. actually ranks fifth in quality opportunities at the running back position, and that's an indicator that the Dolphins have been playing from behind a bit. So he's getting those targets. And even though if the goal line usage belongs to Jordan Howard, we could see some extra targets in a catch-up environment in the second half
2: yep and i think really just the big question here comes into uh at his price range are there better options to gaskin and we can talk about a couple of them let's hit on jacksonville and cincinnati first before we do if you guys are into nba you're loving dfs showdown slates i think our boy rim Pat, uh that you'll see do some nba shows around here uses our ownership projections uses the awesome projections a uh, very good player just cashed in the hundred plus thousand yesterday on FanDuel uh, on the NBA showdown slate. We've seen so many huge winners uh, at Osmo using these projections and ownership. If you use the promo code Orlando, uh, like Orlando, Florida, you'll get the you'll get the weekly Osmo Plus NBA showdown package for only five dollars. It's ten dollars off, five dollars. Uh, everything you need over the next week. To get in all of that NBA finals action you need, probably gonna be a sweep. So you're gonna get five. No, I'm just kidding. I think it'll go five <laughs> games, but it'll probably, you'll, you'll, you'll essentially get everything you need uh, for five dollars Let me see. Let me make sure that this is the just a weekly, or is it the rest of the season? Because that would be even better. Um,
0: As you're checking, so brutal for the Heat. I mean, oh, just so, so tough.
2: Dragic out of bio. He seems to be okay. Yeah. I, I think the LeBron James is just still the best player in the world, and 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 I wasn't willing to admit that, but the guy is insane. Yeah.
0: I don't know. Yeah. What else can you say? Yeah, that's it's it.
2: crazy. Use that promo code Orlando five dollars for the awesome plus weekly NBA pass for the NBA Finals. So I'm assuming you just get it all for the final. five dollars. Yeah, why not showdown slate single game. Uh, all of the projections, ownership, all that great stuff for five bucks. There's no reason not to. All right. Jacksonville, Cincinnati. Joe Burrow to me is uh, actually pretty intriguing this week. The the ownership, the super low ownership on him, likely because his prices come up a little bit is driving his ownership down through the floor. Only a 44 and a half point total. Understandable. I'm not a believer in Garner Minshew. Uh, and I think both of these teams are probably going to struggle oftentimes to move the football. But what I saw Ryan Fitzpatrick do last week against this Jacksonville defense goes to show you that there are some real holes here. And the team that we projected them to be before the season started, I believe they're actually closer to that than the team that we saw over the first two weeks. That's just one man's opinion. But uh, Joe Burrow, no ownership right now. He's got some quality pass catchers, specifically Tyler Boyd. I might have to be out on A.J. Green. But uh, I'm just talking from an ownership standpoint. These guys are not popular at all. Burrow, Boyd, uh, both of them below 3% coming into this week. And Tyler Boyd's been been very effective over the last two weeks. And has it, it seems like he's rapidly becoming Joe Burrow's favorite option.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I really hate to say it because I've been such a fan of A.J. Green's for so it long. It hurts Wouldn't me, you? Matt. It yeah, and, and we've seen we've seen this happen before. Uh, one player that comes to mind with is Andre Johnson, just peppered with targets into his mid-30s, and then the, I believe at the age 33 season, we just saw it completely fall off. Collapse. Uh, and so that brings me to Tyler Boyd, since I, too, am a little concerned about A.J. Green, trusting him really in lineups at all right now. He's still priced at wide receiver 26. Tyler Boyd's really interesting, as I was talking about with our last game, the Bengals in terms of air yards per second are one of the strongest teams that we want to target in terms of deep passes and fast pace of play. They're right there at the top for both metrics. And what that's led to is Tyler Boyd. He's now ninth in quality opportunities. That's targets or rushes. If a wide receiver is to get one near the goal line, uh, that's that's a great amount of volume, especially for a player that we can get with a wide receiver 17 salary on DraftKings still. He's going to need a great game. He's going to need about 18 points for a 3X salary. But with Burrow passing the ball the amount that he, he has been and an implied total north of 25, it's certainly not out of the question. Burrow has been extremely efficient, especially when you consider the fact that he's a rookie. He's about 25th in my QB composite efficiency grade, the most pass attempts in the league, as I mentioned. So even if there's going to be situations where he turns the ball over his receivers are going to have a lot of chance to produce even if the game script gets out of hand which actually this case it doesn't look like it's going to but we never know
2: yeah right we like to talk about projected game scripts but we know very well that things could go way differently than we're projecting exactly which is why it's crazy to just sometimes say well I hate the running back in this game because I think that it's going to go this way. So I can't play him, even though it's a pretty decent matchup. You know, it, you, you have to be very careful about that. We talked about it on the Monday morning quarterback show, Josh Engelman, and Adam and myself. I'd really recommend you guys check that out and hang out with us every Monday, too, because we're not just breaking down the, the previous week. We're, we're looking at what happened. We're talking strategy lessons to be learned for, for upcoming weeks. And how to really approach the game outside of just the player evaluation standpoint. It makes a huge difference when you can look at the game through a different lens and being able um, being able to find some to, to to blend the two together. Player evaluation, team evaluation, but also strategy uh, perspective. Uh, having some combination of those two can be really uh, really effective. So come join us every single week, every Monday at 11 a.m. Uh, what's the t- Yeah, 26 point implied total for for the Bengals is is pretty solid. Uh, I have no problem getting the bro here. And and I'm not I'm not too worried. I actually like mixing a little bit, too, because his ownership is is way lower than so many of these other players that are uh, in similar spots to him at a similar price point. But that line has had a very tough time blocking for him, Matt.
0: Yeah, exactly. And actually, I'm looking at the Osmo.com projections for the Jaguars, and they're they're considered one of the best value plays on the slate here. Uh, they're priced down at the 13th highest DST, and they're ranked seventh, according to our projections here. And that's really betting on a Joe Burrow mistake or two, and that defensive line getting past the Bengals offense offensive line, which hasn't been anything to write home about. I don't see a lot of alternative game scripts as in like this game really shooting out or hitting the over, which kind of makes me pause about any of the wide receiver options or Gardner Minshew, who is perfectly content throwing under 25 passes a game. That means opportunity overall for James Robinson is going to be pretty high. But again, looking at that high-value opportunity ranking, he's only 24th among running backs uh, in that quality opportunity ranking, and he's priced up at running back nine. I think that's really steep. He's going to need about 20 points for a 3X game on DraftKings. Uh, that's tough to see for me. Again, we just talked about it. We could see the game going different ways, but for this one, it hitting the mid-50s just seems really unlikely, so I'm probably staying away from the Jaguars overall.
2: So am I. I'm not... Well, I don't know if I'm staying away from them overall. I'm, I'm not a believer in this Cincinnati defense. They they made life very difficult for Carson Wentz because Jason Peters is really old and he couldn't protect uh, Carson Wentz' blind side. Aside from that, though, Carson Wentz just missed wide open passes. And, and I don't mean to go back to this, but just looking at that last game, I, I refuse to give credit uh, to the Bengals. I, I wouldn't say they're the worst in the league. But I honestly wouldn't be surprised if this game shot out. So uh, I have a slightly different opinion here. If I am going to look towards the Bengals, uh, I I might end up going with a single stack with Burrow, with Burrow and uh, Tyler Boyd, say, and then maybe running it back with with somebody from this Jacksonville side. Uh, I don't know if DJ Shark is going to be active. If he is, this is a spot at 6K that I'm not afraid to get to. Uh, Robinson's a little bit different. You know, that touchdown equity uh, is a little bit, cons- he said three touchdowns over the last two games. I don't know how often on this team, you're going to see that type of opportunity, but I uh, know I actually don't mind running it back with a shark. Uh, Robinson's a little bit expensive, but I think I could probably get there. Uh, if I'm crunching lineups, I, I think that I'll probably end up just by default running it back with a little bit of one of those guys. Sure. That makes sense. Cleveland and Dallas. All right, so I'm probably rostering some Baker Mayfield, and it's probably going to end terribly bad for me, Matt. But this game just keeps seeing the total increase. It keeps seeing uh, – we just – what is it, 56 now, I think?
0: 50, oh, wow. yep, That's higher than I have written. There we go.
2: Yeah, it's at 56. And while everyone's looking at Dallas, which I absolutely think you should be, they've got a 30.8 implied total what about the fact that the Browns still have a 26 point implied total here uh the big question is will they run the ball will they be able to run the ball given their their secondary issues is greedy Williams back
0: uh I don't I don't know actually
2: neither do I but either way
0: yeah their secondary still has had problems stopping stopping people in especially in uh two of the matchups there this this exactly season.
2: There's just a lot of opportunity in this game, Uh, and it's not like it's a 55-point total where the Cowboys are 13-point favorites and they're getting all of the expected scoring. This is on both sides. Both teams expected to be able to move the football.
0: Yeah, and from an identity standpoint, we still know that Cleveland wants to be a running first team adopted from that Minnesota Vikings 2019 identity with dalvin cook now they just are trying to run it down your throat with nick chubb and kareem hunt any chance they get and even if they get down a little bit they don't really change their identity all that much they are middle of the road in both of the air yards per second metrics that i look at and the early down passing metrics they're actually 25th percentile in true early down pass rate so they're quite run heavy as we would expect One encouraging sign is Odell Beckham getting usage back up towards an elite level. I saw that his true target share is eighth among wide receivers now, and his true air yard share is sixth among wide receivers. That's leading to an eighth overall true weighted opportunity share. Basically, he's being used like the number one wide receiver that we thought he was going to be when he went there last year. That's very encouraging, especially against a Cowboys defense who has struggled to stop everybody so far i'm sure there are going to be a ton of players going back to the well this week after tyler lockett and dk metcalf hit pater at their price would have been an even bigger game for dk metcalf He get his head on straight the whole game and so i'm definitely going to be looking at beckham and mayfield uh and then running it back with a bunch of cowboys or vice versa
2: it's funny with odell beckham right he you you look at him and you assume that there's there's not much going on and that Baker Mayfield's just not really looking his way. He has a 27 target share or market share of targets. It, it's not that when they pass the ball, he's not getting. It, it, that's not what's happening. It's just they can run the football as much as they want, and that kind of sucks, right? So. Uh, let me let me see. Where does he where does he rank in dropbacks? Baker Mayfield's got to be towards the bottom of the league in dropbacks. Maybe not because of uh, that game against Baltimore. Yeah. Look at this. twenty eighth. He's only dropped back ninety two times in three games. Like yeah. that. That's concerning that the pass volume might not be there. It won't be there. Yeah. Right. But I guess let me ask you this, Matt. Will the pass. Vo- let me just filter this by week one. Right. Will the pass volume be there? If we see a similar situation and Dallas goes up early because Baker Mayfield dropped back 42 times uh, in week one, which is way more than he has in weeks two and week three. There there is an argument that that happens, but the game's only separated by four and a half points. They might look to run the ball a lot. uh, And that's the one concern. Yes, Odell Beckham, 27 percent market share targets. If I told you he'd have that before the season, you'd feel pretty good about it but not if you looked at the pass volume and the amount of times or the lack of times that Baker Mayfield's dropping back.
0: Yeah, they may not have that choice this week, however, because we know how Dallas prefers to play up-tempo. This is They're, what I'm
2: hoping for as well, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's I'm, and if you're attacking this game in DFS, that's certainly what you're hoping for, the, the super high game total. But also, if we get a situation where Dallas scores first, I think that's where you start to see the large passing totals for Cleveland. If they get up, uh, Dallas does, by 10 or so points, maybe more, then Cleveland will be forced by situation to move the ball in different ways. Really, I don't see them changing their identity until that 10 to 14-point deficit. So from a DFS perspective, that's really what you're hoping for. Looking at the Osmo projections, though, it does look like Beckham's projection compared to Price looks really rosy, and Jarvis Landry is right in line. I'm not sure I'm willing, unless I'm doing a large uh, tournament entry, to go Austin Hooper. The usage just really hasn't been there. But we definitely need to talk about these secondary options on the Cowboys because they had huge games. And I, I don't see any reason why Dalton Schultz and Cedric Wilson can't have more big games in the future as well.
2: Okay. It is such a strange team. I mean, we came into this thinking that we had a pretty good idea of where all the targets would be going, right? like that maybe Cedric Wilson wouldn't be the guy last week. Well, I think we were surprised. All of us. He had uh, seven targets, his only seven looks of the season. Amari was targeted 12 times, CeeDee Lamb, six times, Michael Gallup, nine times, Cedric Wilson, seven times, Dalton Schultz, six times, Ezekiel Elliott, 12 times. I, I can, Matt, it's so nuts to see the amount of passes. Dak Prescott's arm is going to fall off soon. <laughs> 57 pass attempts. Uh, got picked off twice, but we will take the three scores. Ezekiel Elliott, though, the one thing I love about what I'm seeing from him, the involvement in the passing game is so encouraging. His run, his oh my God, horrible, horrible game efficiency-wise on the ground. He couldn't do against anything. Seattle. Uh, and this isn't the type of game you're looking for. 18 fantasy points isn't going to cut it. But the fact that they played from behind and he had 12 targets and has been looked at 19 times in the passing game over the last two weeks makes me feel like he is always going to be game script proof. That's something we can hang our hats on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, to just put a stat to what you were saying about the distribution of targets, we definitely thought that Lamb, Gallup and Cooper would put themselves right in the top 10 in terms of consolidated weighted opportunity. That's just uh, combining area yard share and target share. But in reality, they're actually in the bottom 13 of the league. That means you're seeing added targets for the tight ends. That's Dalton Schultz for Cedric Wilson, who just, he he was incredibly efficient and productive on his targets. And you know what it actually reminded me of? It reminded me of the LA Rams situation prior to Brandon Cook's leaving the team, where they had a rotation of three receivers, but then they used Josh Reynolds as essentially a replacement for any of the three. So when CeeDee Lamb... Got hurt on a punt return in the second half, and he had to miss snaps. Wilson came in. Same thing. Cooper makes a diving catch. He gets hurt. Wilson comes in. You're seeing added snap shares for him, and they certainly don't mind targeting him. At a super low price range, even for this week, I think Cedric Wilson at wide receiver 90, you could do much worse.
2: Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so. Let's get this over 100. We got almost 400 people watching. If you're in YouTube chat on your iPhone, your All you got to do is click out of chat, right? And then you'll see that. Then you go right back in the chat. No harm, no foul. Appreciate you. Subscribe, too. Hit the notification bell so you always know when new content's dropping next. Talking Houston and the Minnesota Vikings. Ugh. A battle between bad teams here, Matt. But Houston, looking like we could see a little bit of a resurgence, a bounce back uh, for Deshaun Watson, maybe Will Fuller, maybe Brandon Cooks. But the big question mark here is what are we doing with David Johnson, second highest projected ownership of any player right now? He's been on the field for 90-plus percent of the, t- of the offensive snaps in back-to-back games, uh, certainly playing from behind a few times this season. but it, this, and, and, and Minnesota, man, defensively, it's rough. They lost Anthony Barr now to the IR. They already had a ton of difficulties, a lot of turnover, bad run defense, bad pass coverage. Uh, I think Pro Football Focus has them 31st in uh, in run defense this season, which just should surprise absolutely nobody. The David Johnson's ownership though is is extraordinarily high because his price is very low. Are you in on it? Uh,
0: not specifically with David Johnson. I completely. Yeah, I'm understand. talking just
2: Johnson. We'll get to the passing game in a minute, but let's Good. tackle
0: this since it's such not a pe- specifically with David Johnson. Right. Duke Johnson is trending towards playing. I guess it changes for me a little bit if we know the backfield is essentially all his in what should be a positive game script. Like you said, you know, another week goes by. Are we still targeting the Vikings' defense? Yes, we are. We're targeting them every week. So the environment should be right for a running back to smash. I just... And you know what? The price is right as well. At running back 19, that is really the big indicator here that there's a low expectation of success, and we know the ceiling is significantly higher. So he has to be considered at 5,600 on DraftKings. I just don't know if I'm willing to risk it, especially if Duke Johnson plays this week.
2: I honestly might just come in around the field on David. I don't know if I'm going to, but I'm I'm honestly tempted to just make sure I don't get killed by it because here's my concern. Here's what's weighing in the back of my head, Matt. I watched David Johnson in week one against the Kansas city chiefs before that game got out of control. He actually looked really good in the limited opportunities. Just talking about the eye test for a moment here, right? The jump cuts were quick. Change of direction was quick. Balance was like everything about him looked Really good. He had that nice touchdown run for 19 yards. I really liked what I saw. And then you go against Baltimore. He has no opportunity at all. How, how can I judge him off of that game? And then Pittsburgh. He really struggled to run. But the Steelers' run defense is is the equivalent of a brick wall. Like the, they might they might not allow a hundred rushing yard game all season long. If they have already, please forgive me. But ultimately. This is one of those spots where David Johnson is poised to break out. It's just everyone else is on him. And let me let me finish with this and then you can um you can wrap up the, the Houston Astro the Houston, Oh my God, did you hear that? Dude, you know how tough it is doing three sports at once, Matt? It sucks. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. You can wrap up the Houston Oilers. And uh, the Minnesota, I'm kidding, and the Minnesota Vikings after this. But the one thing to always consider, if you're talking about leverage and you're talking about tournaments, David Johnson could be in a really good spot, poised to have a really good game. Never forget, though, to look at players that are priced around him, players that are priced in that same tier as him uh, that might be in equally good spots or might not be in quite as good of a spot, but might have – half or a fraction of the ownership and miles sanders last week is a good example of a really good play that doesn't pan out carson wentz missed him on a deep throw on a wheel route down the sideline would have been a 40 50 yard touchdown uh doug peterson decided to stop going to him would have been a hundred yard game with the bonus it didn't happen and he finishes with 12 or 13 fantasy points don't think that can't happen to david johnson so always keep that in mind when you're deciding maybe in a single entry or three max in a large field
1: Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.
2: Have to play a guy. No one's ever a lock, even though they're a really good play. Go
0: ahead. That's well said. And, you know, one thing, you know, we talk about trying to improve our process on a show like this. And that involves moving away from the projection, knowing that the range of outcomes is much higher than just one number and one decimal place. And just because someone is higher in the projections or in salary does not necessarily indicate them as a better play. And especially when we talk about game environments, sometimes players can have a lower projection, but a higher probability of hitting their ceiling. And those are exact opportunities we can exploit. With David Johnson, we see a ceiling opportunity here. And at a price of running back 19, as I mentioned before, we get the opportunity for him to underachieve a little bit and still be somewhat of value. Just to put stats to your eye test from earlier about Johnson, we also see him breaking tackles at an above average rate uh, based on historical trend lines, based on the number of touches he had. And like you said, he's faced some really tough defenses and game scripts as well. So There's a lot to like here. I I certainly like it a lot more, again, if Duke is out one more time.
2: What are your thoughts on Watson and the passing game?
0: So that's really what I'm excited about. So one of the indicators for shootouts that I look at is just looking at the team passing grades from both teams and seeing if the passing grades on PFF are both above average for both teams and then ignoring defense for just a moment we see that the Vikings and the Texans have great passing grades on PFF. And then if you look in terms of net advantage versus their opposing defenses, they both actually have two of the top six net advantages in the passing game on the week. So what does that mean? It means that they might actually have the most success, both sides of the ball, passing, which could lead to a lot of points here and a sneaky shootout as well. Well, not sneaky at 53 and a half, But with the totals we have this week, there might be lower ownership than we expect for such a high total. I I really have trouble in general trusting Will Fuller, but he really has had a productive two weeks other than that week two where he left. His wide receiver 20 price tag is still a little bit high on DraftKings. I'm looking at Brandon Cooks, who at wide receiver 46 on DraftKings, that's 4,500. He needs about 13 and a half points to really hit pay dirt for you in your lineup. And even if you just look at median projection and the possible game flow for this game, I think he comes in really, really strong. So that's the first place I'll look if I'm stacking with Deshaun Watson. And then, of course, if you're running it back, the obvious choice is Adam Phelan. Still so much of the opportunity share there. I believe he's down to third in true weighted opportunity share. Uh, he was up there at number one. But still, there's so much to like there. The The tight ends are not in, involved in the passing game. And we're still seeing Justin Jefferson and Ola B.C. Johnson sorted out below Phelan. So I'm still really trusting Phelan as a run-back option in what should be a great game script.
2: I am too. I don't really have much to add to that either. Um, outside of the fact that over the last two games, since Will since Brandon Cooks has seen an uptick in, in snaps, because week one, remember, he was limited. We knew that. Uh, he's ran seventy-one routes to Will Fuller's fifty-nine. This, of course, isn't to say uh, that Will Fuller isn't in play. Will Fuller's still the better receiver. But I was look. I was very high on Fuller and Cooks coming into the year. Uh, I'm still going to hold out hope for them once their schedule gets a bit easier. It's only fair, Matt, that we that we have to contextual that we have to we have to look at their production relative to who they've faced as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. They've had some very tough matchups. And, you know, Kansas City's defense also looks pretty damn good. So uh, I, I'm I'm going to take a step back and, and, and wait until they start to see a bit easier path in the schedule. It starts this week. It's going to tell me a lot. Can they produce in a spot like this? I think they can. Uh, but I, I'm 100% with you on Brandon Cooks. He's been out there a ton. Uh, and very simply, Brandon Cooks is the type of, of receiver that can break off some really big plays uh, and win tournaments for you at 4,500. Both of these guys in play for me. Uh, Adam Thielen as the runback, uh, agree with that. Uh, very quickly, because I want to I get through this. I want to come in under two hours. Uh, any interest in Dalvin Cook?
0: Yeah, I actually do have interest in Dalvin Cook. When we talk about team identities, the Vikings, even if the game total is high, even if it looks like they're going to have advantages in the passing game, We know that their identity is a running team. That's what they prefer to do in the Gary Kubiak offense in general. So while it does look like a really positive game script for the passing game, Dalvin Cook has the necessary usage and the ceiling, as we talked about before, to be a game-breaking player on the slate. You're going to have to pay up at running back four overall, but the awesome.com projections are right in line with that. So I'm completely fine playing him, especially if his ownership comes in a little bit lower and some of the players with his similar usage.
2: Cooks or Cobb, Steve asks. Definitely Cooks, man. Definitely
0: Cooks. Me- yeah. From a usage standpoint, Cooks over that, but I will say that it has been encouraging for Cobb over the last few weeks. Uh, He got into the end zone last week, if I'm not mistaken here, and I'm looking here. He's actually up to, yeah, he's still wide receiver 79 in terms of true weighted opportunity share. That's the usage metric I look at. That's not really somebody we're going to be counting on all that much.
2: Yeah, give me the big playability with Brandon Cooks, Uh, hoping that they start to stretch the field with him a little bit more. Ready to move on? Got a couple more to go. Let's roll let's do it by the way Cooks leads the team in target share did not know that he's a it's pretty flat but he's at 20 percent interesting
0: yeah when you when you remove the the game two goose egg from fuller as I have to try to contextualize things it looks like when they're on the field fuller is the more targeted asset but yeah i'm I'm perfectly happy looking at the 30 second overall wide receiver in true target share on my lineups this week
2: Rams, New York Giants. Here we go. New York Giants getting 13 points here, 48 and a half point total. Uh, Now, this is one where the implied totals for each team are very much skewed as they should be. Uh, 17.75 for the Giants, 30.75 for the Rams. I'm going to ask you this, Matt, before we get to the Rams, because I want to be able to get through certain things that aren't going to take a ton of time. Is there anyone from the Giants that you're interested in?
0: uh no no not really uh Darius Slayton is is projected right at salary same with Devonta Freeman Golden Tate maybe a little bit of value but uh they're a tournament run back option when you're trying to stack the Rams is really what we're probably using this team for only this week
2: okay what about the uh what about the Rams with that 30 plus point implied total against the Giants team that's just been dreadful
0: Now, here's where it gets much more interesting for this game. When we look at the aggressiveness stats for a team like the Rams, they actually look like one of the most conservative offenses in the league. They're running the ball at a really, really high rate. They're passing at an incredibly low A dot. I believe Goff is still at the bottom of the league in average depth of target, but they're incredibly efficient on that work. So they actually profile similar to a team like the Chargers in terms of their pass usage and when they pass, but they're way, way more efficient. They're actually in the top five of overall efficiency, and Goff himself is playing as a top 10 quarterback in terms of my composite efficiency metric. That said, with such a high implied total compared to their opponent, we would be silly not to talk about the running backs. Daryl Henderson looked fantastic in his first First full usage week in week three. He definitely looked like the best back. Cam Akers still isn't practicing. So maybe we'll look a little to Malcolm Brown, but I think Daryl Henderson presents a really intriguing option at running back 15. He's priced up, but I, I certainly don't hate it this week.
2: All right. So with Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby, the run game, Daryl Henderson. Malcolm Brown, who are your favorite options from this game, and who do you not want at all?
0: Okay, so I definitely want to go back to the well with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. They both rank in the top 25 in true target share, and they're both in the top 40 of true weighted opportunities. So even though they're being used incredibly close to the line of scrimmage this year, even when you incorporate air yards into their usage, they're still top 40 wide receivers and with a high implied total, as we keep mentioning, I'm trusting in Goff and his his above average efficiency, especially when compared to his career averages, his price at quarterback seven is the part that keeps me away. That's Goff, I will say. So I'm not sure I want to go there, especially when I think the running advantages exist in this game. But I certainly will have some cup. I certainly will have some woods. And if I'm a mass multi-entering, I certainly will have some situations where I stack them both. Higby, I just, I have trouble with him being considered an elite option on the main slate. He's tight end three on the main slate at 5,700. That's 17 points for a value play. That's, we can certainly see it, right? We have a really high implied total. We have a team that has just been a sieve on defense. So it's certainly not out of the realm of possibilities, but it's expensive. So uh, the Osimo.com projection isn't too far off. It's a uh, tight end six for Higby, but that's still, it's still a tough pill to swallow. So the ceiling is definitely there.
2: Okay. Let's get through two more games here. We're making it happen. 12 games late. Uh, for those of you that are tuning in later, didn't know Pittsburgh and Tennessee has been postponed until later in the season. So we did not forget about that. It has been postponed to later in the season. Someone asked in chat, where can I get ownership projections for all players? Well, I'm glad you asked, fella. Go to awesomo.com. Go to awesomo.com. We got all your ownership needs, all your player projection needs, lineup builder, fantasy cruncher add-on. For those of you looking to MME and play multiple lineups and really make something of your DFS career, or even if it's a hobby, it's better to be good as a hobby than bad at one. awesomo.com slash join. Check that out, and we've got stuff for anybody from a 395 per week express pass to an all-access awesome plus annual and the monthly and the all access PG or not PGA all access weekly with PGA, NASCAR, MLB, nba NFL. If they have contests on DraftKings and Fandle, we've got content, everything you need. The preeminent place to get your DFS information, content, and all of your tools. From the legitimate number one ranked DFS player that exists, Alex Baker, all of the tools are his. It's the real deal. We'll see you over there. Go to awesome.com slash join. All right, that's my last plug for the day. Let's bang through these two games and head out. I need to eat something, Matt. I'm parched through oh, my water. I can't wall. wait to eat. I, yeah. yeah. I, 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 <laughs> Las Vegas and Buffalo, baby. Let's make it happen. By the way, I'm impressed. You hang in every single week, two hours. You're you're lockstep, man. We're moving and you're still spitting out good stats. You're not slowing down. I got to say, I'm impressed. What are you doing with the Raiders and the Buffalo bills currently stands at three points, uh, Buffalo laying three points, 49 and a half point total here out in Las Vegas.
0: Yeah. So still a lot of respect for the Raiders here, even after they got outplayed really the entire game by the Patriots. But I, you know what, what else can we say about the Buffalo Bills Just completely outperforming expectation And it starts with Josh Allen uh, He's been 11th in EPA At expected points added per play Which is way higher than I had him projected At the beginning of the year But most impressively He's turning drives into touchdowns At the best rate in the league When you regress it back for sample size He is number one in true drive success rate Even when the going gets tough at the goal line, Allen is still delivering exemplified best by this crazy sequence he had, I believe in the first or second quarter, right at the goal line, he threw two different touchdowns to Stefan Diggs. They got both called back. They got stuffed on two goal line runs, went for it on fourth down and ended up throwing it to, I believe a fullback or a third string tight end. So, Allen and all credit is due to the offensive coordinator and coach Sean McDermott they've really really improved it approved the offense overall with the introduction of Stefan Diggs so I'm absolutely going back to the well with them huge implied total of 27 points and if the Raiders even though they have injuries on the receiving front can come back in this game or stay stay with the Bills assuming they continue to score We could have a situation where we have a ton of opportunities and a ton of great plays from this game. I'm definitely going to use Allen in my player pool this week. Even though Stephon Diggs is up at wide receiver five in pricing, I still might have him. Uh, John Brown looks like he's going to miss again. Uh, I believe he has a toe injury, but Zach Moss does look like he's coming back. Uh, So Singletary was a very easy play last week uh, with the late news that Moss was going to miss the usage for his price was very good. Looks back to normal this week. So, it's Diggs, maybe a little Gabriel Davis if John Brown misses. Uh I'm looking here, he's still priced way way down here in the 3 3200 I believe for him. So he he could be an option there. He's their rookie receiver who came in and played admirably when Brown went down. But it's Allen, it's Diggs and uh maybe a little bit of the running back sprinkled in, in tournaments.
2: One of the biggest differences you're seeing this year is that Josh Allen is actually connecting on the deep ball. You can't, You can't overstate how much of an impact Stefan Diggs has had, Matt. Like it's just it it's unbelievable. Uh he's attempted as far as deep attempts go, Josh Allen has attempted the ninth most deep attempts. He has completed the second most deep balls, 20 plus yards, only because Aaron Rodgers has attempted 24 of them through three weeks <laughs> and completed only 10. But Josh Allen's adjusted completion percentage on deep balls is north of 64%. Contrast that to last year in his rookie season. It's an incredible upgrade from what he's done. It's huge. Just He's evolved greatly, and I think we have Stefan Diggs in large part to thank for this because he's not just a speed guy, but he's going to get open. He's going to run crisp routes, and he's going to make a quarterback's life a whole lot easier. So uh, I'm always willing to go back to Diggs. The Diggs and Allen connection I think is going to be huge throughout the season. Uh, and, you know, truly, we might be looking at, I think we're going to see the, the best season ever from Stefan Diggs.
0: It's it's definitely in his range of outcomes, especially with no receiver even comparable to Adam Phelan across the field this year in Buffalo. That said, Cole Beasley still doing his usual typical underneath route. Six receptions, 100 yards last week. It's not sexy, but it especially in a higher volume, higher efficiency offense production comes with that and beasley seeing it too he's actually 36 in true target share
2: yeah cole beasley's been good uh definitely less concerning matchup for Diggs this week than it was last week uh against ramsey and company right but uh, i I, yeah, I think things will open up a little bit more but yes you're right uh cole beasley's gonna get his five to eight targets every single game and He's going to rack up a few yards after the catch and make things happen. Do you have anything else here uh, from either side that you want to dive into?
0: Sure. So one thing I will add is that the PFF net advantage grade that I look at ranks Buffalo as the top overall offensive advantage on the week. That basically just means get exposure to this offense. But if we assume that's the case, then we're also going to be running it back with the Raiders and they they have Darren Waller. He's still battling injury, but he certainly looks like he's going to play. I think you have to look at him and Josh Jacobs really as a secondary pass option, not only with this backfield usage, because of their injuries to their other receivers. Henry Ruggs looked great in week one, got hurt in the first half, and really has not looked the same since. Brian Edwards is now dealing with a high ankle sprain, and he's already going to miss this week. It's really hard to trust Nelson Aguilar or Zay Jones. Now, we're really digging deep. Uh, Zay Jones is the 100th priced wide receiver on the slate. So, yes, the Osimo.com projection is a little bit rosier than that. But, again, that really is a dart throw play. Credit where credit is due to Derek Carr. He's really pumped up his efficiency in that same metric that we just praised Josh Allen for. He's number seven in true drive success rate. That's really, really high, the best of his career so far this year. And 13th in the composite QB efficiency metric that I look at on our data deep dive. So he really isn't the best option, or excuse me, he really isn't the worst option this week, especially if he's forced into comeback mode by Allen and the Bills.
2: Yeah, this game can be a little sneaky. Last week, uh, I I mentioned to, to Matt Gajewski yesterday Nailed the Buffalo Bills being able to score uh, at low ownership. No problems there, right? They they threw up 35 points. Didn't nail who the balls were actually going to. Uh, had a decent amount of Beasley, but you mentioned Diggs could have had two touchdowns in that game, could have blown things wide open. This is a, a, an opportunity for the Buffalo Bills to continue racking up points against the Vegas defense that I think um, is – is an upstart defense, and you're going to see them improve, but they're not as strong in the secondary as the L.A. Rams, and you're probably going to see that in the results once this game comes to a close. Uh, So I like Diggs. Someone asked in chat, can you stack Allen with two receivers? You can't. Look, I I don't have an issue with that. Uh, He's one of the guys, though, because of his ability to run, even though he hasn't been doing it that much, that I am willing to run with one. Uh, But the offense is functioning a lot differently than it did uh, over the past two years. If there was ever a season to stack him with two of his pass catchers, this would certainly be it.
0: Yeah, uh, one mention about the running game still. They're not using him as much overall, but he still is a huge part of their goal line offense. And as spectacular as uh, Kyler Murray has been and Lamar Jackson always is, Josh Allen actually leads the position in avoided tackles as a rusher. So he's still as elusive as he's ever been. Something worth looking at, especially if you're considering playing the running backs.
2: Uh, Last thing I'll throw out there, Buffalo Bills, according to pro football focus, uh, this might surprise some people, but their uh, run defense ranks bottom three, ranks 26th, according to football outsiders, Two metrics, two grading systems that I have a decent amount of respect for, especially when used in tandem. That's that's not the most surprising thing. It is on the surface, but then once you look at the matchups, you, know, you got Miami, you had the New York Jets, uh, and then got pretty beat up by the Rams on the ground. So I, I'm not opposed to to running out Josh Jacobs here. Very simply, this man is a beast. He's getting unlimited opportunity to produce on the ground uh, in in a game that probably that I think actually stays pretty competitive. He's going to get a ton of looks 25 and 27 carries in two favorable game scripts over the first two weeks, even last week playing down by a lot. He touched the ball uh, 19 times and was targeted four times in the passing game. Uh, Josh Jacobs to me at 6,800 is a very viable option here. Uh, I really thought that his ownership would be coming in pretty low. But it is last I looked, it's actually somewhat high. Yeah, 21%. I still like Josh Jacobs, though. Wouldn't be surprised if his ownership actually comes down throughout the week. All right, Matt. I, I do, too. Let's close it out. Kansas City, New England Patriots, Kansas City Chiefs, seven-point favorites, 54-point total. Matt Patrick Mahomes is, is just virtually unstoppable, and we've seen that this season, particularly against a very good Baltimore defense Now you've got him going up against the New England team that uh, has shown some holes, but as I mentioned yesterday, I do anticipate their secondary buoying this defense as the season goes on. They're still very good. There's still some elite talents back there in the secondary, but does it really matter if Patrick Mahomes is the one throwing the football?
0: No. No, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, the Ravens are a perfect example. They perfect just, example. They just paid Marlon Humphrey, I believe, sixty-six million guaranteed this morning after getting torched by I think Kelsey. The whole
2: contract was ninety-eight mil.
0: Yeah. So there, uh, the Ravens certainly aren't changing their idea of their secondary after getting just torched again by Patrick Mahomes. It very well could happen here to the Patriots' defense. We do respect their secondary a little bit more. Well, I wouldn't say that, actually. Those are two of the best secondaries overall in just general respect. So, uh, again, we're not nervous about Patrick Mahomes against any defense whatsoever. So the way that he's playing right now is an indicator that we play his his offensive assets in all environments, in all game scripts. Even if the game total wasn't as high as it is, we would be expecting to play lots and lots of Chiefs. Of course, it starts, for me at least, with Travis Kelsey as the first option I'm looking for, even though Tyreek Hill still has that slate-breaking ceiling, as we like to say. At wide receiver four, he comes in very pricey, not to say that Kelsey isn't, but I just want to highlight the amount of usage that you get with Kelsey in this elite offense Ranked third at the position in target share and in true weighted opportunity share, he's just sixth. So, in this efficient offense with the way that Mahomes is playing, he's my first look. Clyde Edwards Hilaire still priced relatively fairly at running back 10. The awesome.com projections actually have him a little bit higher than that, running back seven. He's going to need a great week, about 19.2 points for value. But I think with the amount of touchdowns, so the amount of points in general we have implied. I'm completely fine playing Edward Hilaire. When we talk about volume of offense, Sammy Watkins is still in play just because of the total opportunities that he could have. And then on the other side of the ball, we still need to talk about Julian Edelman as this alpha wide receiver. He ranks 14th in overall high value touches and 10th at the position in true target share. So he's still being completely fed uh, he's he's an elite option for Cam Newton despite the massive game from Rex Burkhead tilting many a fantasy gamer last week um, are we seeing that James White is going to be playing this week Did he return to practice? Uh,
2: I don't know yet there hadn't been a ton of reports on him but I can tell you right now James White uh, rejoined practice uh, yesterday yeah
0: okay so that's probably an indicator that he's playing and an indicator that I'm staying away from Burkhead, White, and likely Michelle. Though it was really great to see him get over the 100-yard mark last week.
2: Yeah, it, it was, but he still looked pretty slow. I'm a little bit more bullish on Tyreek Kill than you are for tournaments. And, and one of the reasons, like, yes, he's the fourth-highest-priced receiver, but he's also $1,600 less expensive than the highest-priced receiver, and only $900 more expensive than the 20th-priced receiver. The, the Outside of Hopkins and Thomas, it's just really, really flat pricing. You know, you look at it. Hill, yes. Metcalf, Diggs, Robinson, Cooper, Cup, Thielen, Allen, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. They're all $500 separated. So I, I think I can get there. Uh, and Tyree kill he can take the top off of any defense. And that's what I love about him. He's had some monster games against Stephon Gilmore and this Chiefs team. Now, last year... They did a decent job bracketing him, but I still think it's going to be difficult. If you think that's what's going to happen, then you should be all over Kelsey uh, because Patrick Mahomes is going to find ways to move the football. But at sub 7% ownership in tournaments at sub 7K, uh, Terry kill has the ability. When you talk about tournament winning upside slate, breaking upside, he can do it. Uh, He can absolutely do it. If he gets some deep targets, which Patrick Mahomes the, – the thing about good coverage uh, on Tyreek Hill is that Patrick Mahomes will drop the ball into the only place the defender isn't and the receiver is. So uh, exactly. 69, I still think, is a little bit too cheap. He opened the season $1,000 more expensive, and now he's at 69. Clearly matchup-based DraftKings will price guys based on who they're facing. But uh, I, I, I think he had like a 180-yard three-touchdown game against this same secondary not long ago. Tyreek Kill would be a guy I'm looking at. And uh, I really like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I don't want to play these guys in the same lineup, obviously, but uh, I love Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. The, the biggest weakness of this Patriots team is going to be their run defense, presumably all season long. Uh, they lost players to COVID, to opting out. They lost players to injuries. Uh, they lost Van Noy. The, I think linebackers in the in the, in the front and defensive line are going to continue to get gashed. Uh, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in games where they've been playing with the lead, or even without it. The great thing about him is he had, what, 20 attempts last game, but six targets in a game that they led easily throughout. Like, there was no concern there throughout the entirety of that game. Uh Remember, he had no receptions in week one, and everyone's like, oh, man, what's going on? Although he had 25 carries. at seven he- goal
0: line looks exactly exactly <laughs>
2: and then 10 attempts in week two but eight targets and six receptions uh he's your feature back he's gonna do it all uh so anytime you get him as a seven and a half point favorite against the uh patriots team that who knows maybe they will slow patrick mahomes down i don't think they can slow clyde edwards helaire down at 6400 it's a pretty egregious price point i'd probably pay 7k for him this week all right matt we got about a minute to go close it out final thoughts on these 12 games uh, any strategy tips or, or anything you you forgot to mention?
0: Yeah, I, I really th- think that we went fast through it, but the LA Rams present a ton of value here against a New York Giants team that got, uh, they got outclassed by Nick Mullins last week. No, no discredit to Nick Mullins. Uh, he actually played quite well, but I just see a lot of efficiency and a lot of production from that game. Also, don't be afraid to go to the second, third, or fourth highest game total of the week because the high to, the totals are high everywhere. We've got a ton over 50, some over 55. So there, there's a lot of great game environments uh, to get excited about. I, I really think that uh, just to finish this Chiefs game as well, we should mention Demir Bird, who's still priced way down, but it's actually up in the 50s of true weighted opportunity he's a value option he's certainly not the the best play there but uh, i just wanted to mention that before we completely move on there
2: that'll do it for us 12 up 12 down again follow matt savoka on twitter draftaholic if you're not following me yet at lafay underscore d l-o-u-g-h-y underscore d hey we love you guys thanks for hanging out two hours up and down many of you sticking with us all the way through it we're getting ready to win some money this week and sometimes you just gotta grind to make that happen Check us out at awesomo.com, awesomo underscore com. We'll catch you back here tomorrow, Friday, NFL Strategy Show, presented by awesomo.com.